So welcome to another episode of My Best 11 Podcast. Today we are so, so excited, and Marvin particularly very excited. Um, I haven't spoken at length to this um, this lady in relation to um, Beth, because we have a um, player who's played for England um, women's team. So absolutely sensational to have them on board. Has moved around clubs, um, playing a large portion and the goal-to-game ratio when you're at Liverpool, absolutely fantastic. Um, and played across here in Melbourne, where I am, and it's currently residing in Milan. Um, today, we're lucky to have Natasha Dowie. How are you, Natasha? Very well, thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be involved in your podcast today. It's going to be great. Excellent. And across in America, in isolation, in lockdown, <laughs> making, sure Joe, making sure Joe Biden does take over. Marv, how are you? I'm good. I'm excited about this episode, Andrew, because it's our first female Professional soccer player, well, soccer. You can see, like, you can see I'm Americanized already, Tash. Soccer is ridiculous. Football player. And um, I, her, I know her dad really well, Bob, and I played with her uncle, Ian. So I'm looking forward to this. Excellent, excellent. So um, what we'll do is we'll launch straight in. Um, and I know you're in the process of, have you got your B license or in the process of getting the B license, Tash? Yeah. So I've got my B license. I'm actually undergoing my A, a license um, at the moment. So I've been doing that for the last two or three years. Uh, but with the A license, you have to really be coaching a team full time. And at the minute, playing is the most important thing for me. So I haven't had the opportunity to complete that. But it's definitely something that I'm really passionate about getting involved in once I finish playing. Excellent. So having taken that into account then, what formation would you play were you to be the manager? So what formation are you going with? Um, with this yeah. team that you selected? Yep, so I'm going to go for a 4-3-3, but I'm going to make sure that my you know, full-backs are bombing on and then I've got my wide players coming in uh, to play with the number nine nice and narrow. So, yeah, 4-3-3 is my formation. Excellent. Marv's got, got a smile on his face. <laughs> attacking, I love attacking, attacking formations or attacking-minded um, exactly. managers or coaches. I love that. The game is meant to be played that way. So we'll start off and we'll go straight um, as ever with goalkeeper. So who have you gone for in goal? And what we like to do um, is if you can give us some clues so if any fans um, at home yep. um, can try and guess and, and have a go as, as we go through the team. Okay, perfect. So my goalie, I played with her when I was at Everton. Um, also when I played uh, for England as well, she was involved then. Um, she was, you know, a really brave keeper, really strong communicator, a leader. Um, and for me, the best keeper I've ever played with. Um, at the moment, she doesn't play anymore, um, but she's gone more into the punditry uh, side of things in the UK now. Um, so this is my, my clue with the goalie. I'm struggling with this one. I mean, at the, I mean she, wasn't, she wasn't with the... Well, no, she's not with is, the times of... Is she English? Start, is she? English? She's English, yes. I played with her at England and Everton. Uh, won the FA Cup final with her in goal. Um, she doesn't play anymore, but she's on the TV a lot now, uh, working for the likes of Sky Sports, oh. BT Sports in England. Her husband That's, that's is what throws a, us. <laughs> yeah. Because we're both in different countries. I can see it. I can see it now. No, 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 no. Oh, my gosh. She got married and her last name changed slightly. I had it. I, no, I've, I've lost. I had it, but it's gone. My mind's gone. Hold on, hold on. You, I don't know. You say the, it. I'm, I'm going to go it, mad. It's Becky something. Becky, but I don't know. It's her second name. Is it? No. Is it? Is it? No. Go on, Tash. Tell go us. On, tell us. Okay. 
So my keeper is Rachel Brown, and now she's known as Rachel Brown Finnis. So yeah, played for a lot of times, played with her at Everton, great keeper. And like I said, the bravest keeper that I've played with, real leader on the pitch, great at communicating and just a really good person as well. So yeah, that's my keeper. Fantastic. Um, and she, so what did she provide you then? Obviously, um, or she, in terms of service, was she like, did she like to play the ball, pump the ball up to you and, and you were expected to hold it up or when you played with her at Everton, what was the... What was the kind of the team? Yeah, so I, yeah, so I played at Everton a good ten years ago now. So now goalies are a lot better with their feet. Teams like to play out from the back, the back a lot more nowadays. Uh, back in the day, we maybe sometimes are a little bit more direct. Um, but Brownie, you probably would wouldn't have said her strength was her technical side. She could play, but she wasn't known for that. She was known for more really dominating her goalkeeping area. You know, she'd come and claim everything. You know, she wouldn't shy away from, you know, taking out one of her players as well if it meant, you know, coming and getting that ball. She communicated right from the back to the front. You could hear her from when I was playing, you know, at the top of the pitch. She'd be communicating, organising the back four, the midfield and the forward line and just making sure that as a team we were really solid. Um, so that I think that was her main strength was just the way that she could really organised the whole team and how she saw the game from 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 the goal. Dash, is it similar to like it was with, with me, with my fellow um, goalkeepers I play with? Goalkeepers being a bit quirky, shall I say, a little bit weird. Uh, is it the same with um, yeah. the, the, the female girls playing goal? Are they oh, a little 100%. bit... <laughs> yes, 100%. Um, the goalies are always the, the odd ones. And, you know, you've got to be, haven't you, to play in that position and throw your head at people's feet. Um, but, you know, it's, it is. It's a unique position. And as a centre forward, you know you have a lot of pressure playing in that position, scoring the goals. But the pressure that the goalkeeper has, you know, us centre forwards, we can fall over. You know, we can miss chances because we know that we'll get other chances. You make one mistake in goal and, you know, you cost the team. So yeah. you've got to be a really big, strong personality to play in goal. Um, and that's what Rachel Brown was for us. She was a massive personality, never shied away from anything, took responsibility all the time. So, no, she was great to play with. Excellent. Awesome. So we'll move on to your right back, right wing back, since you want them yeah. bombing on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And she can definitely do that. I think this will be quite an easy one for you. So I played with this player at Everton and then we moved to Liverpool together um she's really athletic she's fast she's probably the best right back in the world right now um was you know every year for the last couple of years has been up for the Ballon d'Or you know um so the best player in the world um you know since playing with her at Liverpool she moved to Man City uh to Lyon and then she's just moved back to uh, Man City again um so in my opinion probably the best right back in women's football at the moment Lucy Brahms? Correct. <laughs> well done. <laughs> yeah, she, I mean, she's a very, yeah, very um, up, and up and down attacking fullback and very comfortable in the ball as you need to be, I suppose, in these days yeah. as a fullback. Yeah. Obviously, you played with her at the start no, she's of career. Definitely what was she like? Yeah. No, she was at, when I played with her at Everton, she was a young player coming through. She had yeah. just come from Sunderland. 
Um, so not that experienced, but you could see that she had a lot of quality, really fit, like I said, could run all day and was strong. Um, when we went to Liverpool, her technical side of the game definitely improved. Um, she, you know, she wasn't just a runner. You know, she could play with the ball and she definitely worked on that side of her game. And then since going to Leon, you know, she's really taken her game to the next level. You know, they're the best team in women's football, you know, playing with those kind of players, winning Champions League finals every year. And, you know, I think they recently actually got beat by PSG, but they, I think they were on an 80 game unbeaten run. They hadn't lost a game in four years. So to be in that environment is going to make you, you know, mentally as well as physically, technically, you know, so strong. And I've definitely seen that in her game. And playing for England as well, she's become, you know, a regular, the first name on the England sheet. So, um, no, it was great. It was great to play with her um, all those years ago. No, she's a great player. I just want to take you back to that. Um, 2013 was a quite a successful year for you, Tash. Um, you was Players Player of the Year, um, top goal scorer, and won the Super League. I mean, one of the reasons I've seen, I think I've read or saw that it was your coach there, was it Matt Beard? who um, one of the reasons why you signed there. What, what was it so special about Matt that made you want to like sign for Liverpool? I think as a player, you always want to play for a manager that makes you feel like you're the best player. And, you know, you want to feel wanted. Um, you know, it's a tough industry to be in. You know, there's so many highs and lows and um, you need to have a strong support base around you. And I think with, with Beardy, um, as I call him, I played with him at Charlton. He was the assistant coach um, with Keith Bonas when I was at Charlton, when I was 18 years old. And then we, you know, kind of, I moved on and moved on to Everton, had five great years there. And when I knew he was taking the job at Liverpool, he rang me and said that it was an opportunity to go full-time for the first time ever in women's football, to be training every day, you know, to be getting paid, you know, decent enough money, you know, where yeah. I wouldn't have another job. Um, so there was a lot of, you know, things pulling me towards that club. You know, it was a hard decision to move away from Everton because I'd had some great years there, but I just knew the type of character Beardy was and um, I love playing for him. And I think that's so important that you can play for someone that you'd run through a brick wall for them and you know how much they trust in you. And yeah, and I had three great years at Liverpool. We won the, the league back to back. I obviously, like you said, got the golden boot and players player of the year. And then I actually, after that, moved to America to play for him at Boston Breakers as well for two years. So, yeah, we've had some great times together. And I think it's great when you can have that connection with your manager. Excellent. Awesome. So, moving on to left back. <laughs> yes. Okay, I think this is going to be a tricky one for you guys. Um, okay. So, I played with her at Liverpool. Uh, she's actually German. Um, and it was only the two seasons um, that she was at Liverpool playing with me. So we won the league back to back together. She has won the Champions League for Potsdam. Um, technically a wand of a left foot. Very similar to Lucy Bronze when we won the league back to back at Liverpool. Was up and down, you know, assisting me every game. Uh, a great character, really professional um, you know, when she signed for Liverpool the first year, it was the first time that I had played with um, foreign players. We, Matt Beard brought in Germans, Swedish players, Icelandic players. We had Americans. And, you know, the German, the two German players that signed for Liverpool were so professional. And it really opened my eyes up to what it took to be the best and what being the ultimate professional was. So this player 
really epitomised what the the professional football player should act and and be like. Andrew, I'm not going to bother embarrassing myself trying to guess this one. No, I'm, I'm not. No, as soon as you start throwing <laughs> curveballs in, I'm stuffed. <laughs> Especially in that era. I think we'd know a lot about this era, but I think back then... It was I, like, I'd even yeah. go back, if, if it was further, like Hope Powell and Jill Coutard and Marion yeah. Spacey. I used to watch yeah. all them on, on yeah. Channel 4. But like, I in between... I'm, I wish I could have played... Yeah, I wish I could have played with those players. My partner, Becky, she played with all those players, but unfortunately they were before my time, which right. is a shame. <laughs> no, so, so yeah, who's yeah. your left back? So my left back is, uh, it's Karina Schroeder. So she was the German left back when we won the league at Liverpool for the first two years. Great player, great person. And so in terms of LC left back, um, you, you described quite in terms of professionalism and that's something that, that you found mm -hmm. came across. Would you say that um, back in terms of kind of what about seven, what was it? Yeah, six, trying to do maths now, six, seven years ago. Would you say that um, yeah. the English game has moved up another level or another couple of levels since then and caught the German or are they still ahead? No, the, the English league has definitely improved. Um, you know, I watched the games and, and the level has improved 100%. However, the financial side is the scary part. Just how much money is being invested in the women's game now is frightening. You know, you, the likes of your Sam Kerr's who are apparently meant to be on 2.5 million over her what? two years at Chelsea. I mean, these kind really? of figures are unheard of. You know, I think, I think Chelsea paid... 250 grand just to pay Penilla Harder out of her Wolfsburg uh, contract to get her to Chelsea. So, you know, I was on 9,000 pounds my first year at Liverpool <laughs> and that was a lot of money. So, you know, it's just crazy the figures now that these players are earning, especially at the likes of Man City, Chelsea, Arsenal and Man United. Those four teams have really taken the game to the next level in England. And the thing that I think is great the thing that sometimes concerns me is how all the other teams are going to be able to compete and stay involved. You know, I've seen a couple of score lines, nine nils, 10 nils. For me, that's not great for the women's game. You know, you don't want to see that. Here in Italy, you know, all the games from top to bottom are very competitive. And I think England and the league and how they've invested in the women's game is brilliant. But you also don't want it to become, you know, a three or four team league. Um, so... There's definitely pros and cons to what's happening back home in England. Um, but, you know, you want the women's game, you know, to go in the right direction. But it's just so hard when you have the likes of your Bristol City women who, you know, aren't, don't, aren't really linked to a men's club. And then you have your Man United, your Chelsea's who have unlimited funds, Man City. So it's tough. Gosh, are all, are all the women's Super League teams full time? All of them? Every single one of them? Yes. Yeah, yeah, they're all full-time. Well. Yeah. Okay. Yes, all right. yeah, I mean, they are. I'm a, I'm a big fan of the, because um, I coach girls over here and I'm always trying to tell my girls to watch as many games from around Europe and stuff. And I'm a big, I mean, apart from Luton, um, I love the Luton ladies, but Arsenal is my um, women's Super League team. I just love how they play. Yeah. Just, and, yeah. I mean, Vivian Minima oh. is like ridiculous. Absolutely yeah. ridiculous. Some of the stuff she does. It's fantastic. Yeah. You know. No, it, they're, they're a great team, the way they play there. And I know Joe quite well, John Montemiro from Australia, and he was at Melbourne City when I was playing at Melbourne Victory. And we had a couple of conversations, and he's done a great job since moving to Arsenal. And 
I was actually very close to going to Arsenal. It was between Arsenal and Everton. Um, and I actually ended up signing for Everton just purely because I wanted to knock Arsenal off their pedestal because they had dominated women's football for 10 That's years. Um, but no, yeah, even though Arsenal, London Colney was 10 minutes from where I lived and Everton oh. was four hours. But anyway, I never like things easy. But no, it's Arsenal's a great team. And, and like I said, I, I, I'm, I've got a lot of good friends that still play in England. Whenever I'm home, I always train with Liverpool just to keep my sharpness. So, you know, I, I like to see how everyone's doing. And, and it's great. You know, it's been a long time since I played in England. And, you know, I have aspirations maybe one day to go back and play there. So, no, it's great to see the way the women's game's going. And, and even the national team as well have, you know, been moving up and up the, the, the world rankings, which is great to see. Fantastic. Awesome. Awesome. So centre-backs. Are you a stickler for centre-backs and the way that they play? So do you like to see your centre-backs to, to play out like the modern football? Or are you a um, bit more of a, traditionally this is maybe the wrong word, but a bit more of an old school um, in terms of they're there to defend and that's all. Yeah, I would go with my second option. Um, look, <laughs> as a striker, you want your team to play good football because if you don't, then you're not going to touch the ball. Um, however, I do feel like nowadays a lot more of the defenders think they're, you know, uh, these skillful like playmakers. And I just kind of want to say to them, you're a centre half, just defend, just do your job, you know, clean sheet, you know, you're not here to, you know, get the most touches on the ball, give the midfield players and the players that are the creative players the ball, because that's what they're paid to do. So, yes, I've my, with my two centre halves, I've gone with a bit of a mixture. They can play, but their strengths are they defend, you know, they read the game well, um, they're tough, good in the air. Um, and no one gets past these two. So I'll go with my first one, right-hand side. Um, it's all going to be Liverpool, but to be honest, the, the, the two years that we won the league at Liverpool, the team was just special. Uh, and I, lo I love the players that were in the team. So the right-hand side, she's American. Um, I played with her for one season, the first year at Liverpool, when we won the league for the first time and knocked Arsenal off their pedestal. Um, she was really quick, athletic, great person, good communicator. She actually left Liverpool and went to Sweden where she played in the Champions League final. I think this is going to be a tough one for you guys because she actually won the World Cup with USA. Well, I was going to ask you she played internationally. Yeah, yeah. She played for, for USA. Wasn't a starter for the national team, but was involved in the squad that won the World Cup. Um I think it's going to be a tricky one because she's not like a, a really well-known name, um, right. but she was an unbelievable player. The one year that I played there at Liverpool was a joy. Uh, well, you're going to have to tell us again, unless Andrew knows. Yeah. Andrew? No, no, no. I'm out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I've gone for Whitney Engen. So I don't know if you guys know her or not. Maybe you'd know her from out in America. She played for... She played actually at Boston with me for a few years and played for a couple of teams in the American NWSL. Um, but yeah, great centre-half, like I said, and was just so athletic, brought so much positivity to England. You know, in England, it's quite ruthless. You know, it's um, 
we're quite emotional people on the pitch sometimes, but the Americans came over and they were so positive. And sometimes it was almost like annoyingly positive. <laughs> you know, I'd miss like an open goal. I'd miss an open goal from two yards. And instead of like screaming at me, she'd be saying like, good effort, Tash, next one. And I'd be like, what the hell? I've just missed an open goal. Like, tell me it's not good enough. Like, so... To be honest, playing with her really helped me with my communication side of things because I'm the type of player that's really quite aggressive when I'm communicating. And I'm like, come on, it's not good enough. Get stuck in, sometimes swearing a little bit. Whereas listening to the Americans, they were so positive. And it, being a captain later on in my career, it definitely helped with how to communicate to players. So do, do, you, do you think... Um... I mean, I obviously live here in America. That that positivity sometimes. I mean, I'm not saying that they were being false, but like I, I mean, I, I mean, just walk out my apartment down the street, have a nice day. And it's just like it's just like a. I think sometimes I keep hearing it every single day. You're just saying that for the sake of saying that. I don't. You know, yeah. you don't really want me to have a nice day. You're just saying have a nice day because you didn't see me. That's what I feel sometimes. <laughs> so it's, it, I mean, the positivity. You're right. I mean, I think that. Over here, especially me coaching the girls, that it's like a big bubble, and like, and I think that you have to be careful anyway. I feel with girls, I'm coach girls and boys because they're more sensitive than boys. But you have to be like yeah. positive yeah. in a way that you say like, if you're gonna give them one negative, you make sure there's five positive things surrounding that negative before yeah. you give them yeah. that yeah. negativity. No, agree. So, um, just to dig into your time at Boston. Um, what was that like? Because it, it seems like it was a bit of a, a bit of a strange one um, in terms of not only what yeah. happened at Boston, but then the the, the preceding months after. Um, and I'm only asking that because you're talking about we played um, with obviously uh, yeah. there. So yeah, yeah. So when I made the move to the NWSL, it was always oh snap! By the way, cheers. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> I can't afford one. I want a <laughs> it was always a dream to play in America you know the bend it like Beckham and it was the biggest league in the world and you know it's a dream come true to be honest to be given the opportunity to play in the NWSL I didn't really know the situation the Boston Breakers were in at the time that I made the move I was just so excited about playing in America when I moved over there um, I then kind of quickly realized that the team and the franchise we're a team that had struggled for many years. We're always down the wrong end of the table. Um, for some reason, struggled to uh, get um, US national team players uh, in the team because a lot of the teams, the Portland Thorns, Seattle Reigns, North Carolinas, they all had big US superstars. Boston Breakers didn't have one national team player in, in the setup. Um, so I, I, I kind of realised that it was going to be tough, um, but I was also so excited, like I said, to put myself up against some of the best players in the world and, you know, to prove the type of player that I am and to make a name for myself in America. So the first year, I loved it. You know, I finished top goal scorer at Boston. Yes, we finished bottom of the league, but it was just a great experience for me. Second year, um, we made some great signings. We had a good start to the season. Rose Lavelle, um, we signed her and a couple of other really exciting young US players. Then Rose got injured, so she was out for the whole of the season. And then we really kind of struggled again. 
had a tough year. I think we finished third from bottom the second year I was there. I, I got the golden boot again at Boston, which was great. Um, but after the season, I went to America because in between seasons, I obviously went and played for Melbourne Victory for the off season. And I got a phone call saying that um, it was likely that the club was going to fold um, because I think there's been rumours that maybe the, the um, owners had had a disagreement and unfortunately was just going to pull the plug completely on, on the team. And it was sad because, you know, we had a great support base in Boston uh, where we trained at Harvard Stadium. It was a beautiful area. Yeah, I love living there. It's a great city. I'd made some great friends there. So it was like hard to take. Um, so, yeah, it was a crazy few months. We all got put into this kind of draft. Um, and actually, I wasn't selected in the draft. Uh, no, none of the other teams decided to pick me. And at the time, I was obviously very upset. But later on, my agent had told me that basically none of the other teams um, had the financial money to be able to buy me out of my contract. Um, so I kind of went into the draft presuming I was going to get picked. I was told I was going to be number two pick after Rose Lavelle. Houston Dash were meant to be really keen on me. But then they financially, they didn't have the extra money to pay me out of my contract. So I was clubless. Um literally did not know what to do um and then a week later uh lynn shipping uh, the swedish team they just won the league in sweden quarterfinals of the champions league they approached my agent and said would i like to go there on a short four month uh kind of loan um and i obviously snatched their hands up because i didn't have a club so yeah it was it was a crazy two years and the way it ended was very sad um but it's worked out eventually you know i've I've had some great experiences traveling to then obviously Sweden, Norway, and now I find myself in Italy as well. So sometimes these things happen for a reason, I guess. Oh, definitely. Definitely. It sounds awesome. Sounds, uh, oh, it, doesn't, it sounds awesome in terms of the experience you got from, um, but yes. obviously quite testing at the time and the whole draft, it's yeah. very American draft thing as well. So. Oh, the league's ruthless over there, honestly. I mean, I don't know why you sign contracts over there because they can get rid of you whenever they want anyway. So... And it was, it was a tough environment to be in because, you know, I remember one of my good friends, Libby Stout, she was a goalie that I played with at Liverpool. We both went to Boston together, pre-season, everything was great. You know, she was training. And then first day of the season, I went into the changing room and her locker had just been pulled down. Her name was gone. And we were all like, where's Libby? And apparently the manager just completely waved her and like cut her from the from the squad so she basically from having a contract didn't have a job the next day was having to work in in a wine store um really? you know they can trade you whenever they it's crazy they can trade you whenever they want i had one friend that got traded to three different teams in one season so she was playing at boston they then traded her to chicago she was there for a week and then she got traded to houston so i mean for me cattle, i like stability market. and i like yeah, it's just for me. I like to know that I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm staying put. You know, I've got a wife and I've got, you know, other people that travel with me, and I feel like it's a very ruthless kind of industry to be in over there. But it is like you said, typical American. They love that kind of cutthroat mentality, I guess. <laughs> when you when you say trade, so when another team trades them, did they take over that contract, or do you negotiate a new contract when you go to that club? They have to negotiate then a new contract. Yet when you go to the club, so what if you don't yeah. agree? To, what so if you don't agree honest, terms? What if you don't agree terms? Yeah, you don't have a choice. 
Yeah, you pretty much don't have a choice. <laughs> what, so Honestly, you make an offer like, anything and you have to sign? Yes, yeah, pretty much. You oh have to go gosh. where they tell you. And that's why a lot of players now have gone abroad to play because I know so many players that played in the NWSL for 10, 15 years and were top players and were on bare minimum. Like, you're talking $20,000, if that. Like, I don't actually know how some players survived. So, you know, it's it was hard. Unless you're a US superstar, you know, it's the, the difference, like... The US players I've heard are earning 250, maybe thousands dollars in their contract with the national team. And then you've got your teammates who are earning $20,000. It's like, how? How's that even possible? Like, it blows my mind, really. But not only that, Tash, yeah. I think that um, if you, I mean, I feel that the, the, the American women's team is obviously, I mean, the best. They've won the World Cup on numerous occasions, yeah. but they're going to, Everyone else is catching up. And I think that one of the yeah. reasons, this is just my opinion, that why so many of them have gone to England or Europe is that they, they want to play against the best players. And that's going to be, yes. in obviously, the Champions League every yeah. year, which is yeah. going to draw all the best players rather than waiting every four years, being an American club and yes. waiting to come against, against those good players every four years. It's too long. You're going to get left yeah. behind. Agree. And it's crazy as well how many great players actually don't even get the opportunity to play in the pro league over there. You know, I've played with so many American players that, you know, go through the college system and then don't get picked for the draft picks. And then I didn't even realise that even if you do get selected to go into the draft and you do get then selected by one of the pro teams, you still have to then almost like trial to get into the protein, it's a crazy system. And, you know, that's probably the great thing about England. You have the academies and you can work yeah. your way up into the first team. But in America, they obviously don't have that. Sounds sounds yeah. strange. So we'll, we'll move, anyway, we digressed. We'll move back on to <laughs> our other centre-back. <laughs> yeah, this should be easier for you two, but I don't know. Um, so she, <laughs> she was our captain at Liverpool. Um, she now plays for Man City and England. Um, technically, probably the best, one of the best uh, defenders I've played with. Um, reads the game really well. Um, a, amazing person. Just a, a, a just a great leader, really. And for me, she should be probably playing for England now more than she does. She's in and out of the England squad now. But she's, yeah, she's playing at Man City, has been playing alongside Steph Houghton at Man City that's at Centre Half. That's who I was going to say, Steph Houghton. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to yeah, say Steph Houghton. No. Um, no, no. Um, oh, um, oh, Gem? No, Gemma? Is it? No, it's not Gemma, Gemma is it? Yeah. Is it Gemma? Yeah. Gemma? Yes. Bolton? Bolton? No, Bonner, Bonner. Gemma Bonner. Gemma Bonner. <laughs> Bonner. Yes, yeah. that's it. Well done. Yes, well done. <laughs> Great job, I'm Bob. quite proud of that. I'm quite proud of that one. I thought of Steph Houghton at first. Okay. And then I think of, you said Steph Houghton. She plays next to Steph Houghton. I put in a big pin in a balloon. Oh, great. And then I <laughs> So, Gemma Bonner. Gemma Bonner. Um, in, obviously, again, play with her. She's um, obviously at, like, kind of at the top of the game um, right now in terms of kind of maturity in terms of skill set yes. and things like that. Yeah. Where would you say that she, um, again, you seem to name quite a few players who at the start of their career. Um, I mentioned Lucy Bronze yeah. and now Gemma Bonner. Is, is that something yeah. where, again, with her, you could see the leadership skills 
um, coming through because also she was she'd have been quite young when she was um, with you guys. Yeah. And she was she mentioned she was captain. Yeah. 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 So Bonner is now she's 29 now. So she's like three, three or four years younger than me. But so I was at Liverpool six years ago. So, yeah, she was quite young at the time. But uh, she actually worked with Matt Beard at Chelsea um, and was captain at Chelsea as well. So she'd wow. had a lot of experience in those kind of captain roles. Um, and you could see that, you know, she was one of those really unselfish players, always put everyone before herself, really caring, kind. And, and I think, to be honest, you can see that in people's positions, the goalies, the defenders, they're quite, they're unselfish. They go kind of under the radar they always worry about, you know, everyone else except for themselves. And then the higher up the pitch you go is when you get the egos who, you know, want to be, you know, the goal scorers, making the headlines, you know, and more more kind of like just worrying about themselves rather than anyone else. So I, that's what I loved about Bonner is that she would literally do anything for you. And yeah, she was a great leader at Liverpool. And like I said, doing great at Man City now and, I don't know why she isn't involved with England more than what she is, but no, a really good person. Excellent, excellent. Actually, what we'll do is we'll pause here for a, for a second. Um, and we'll, um, so we'll pause for a break from our sponsors and then we'll be back um, very shortly to hear about the uh, three midfielders and three strikers. Thank you for listening to My Best Living Pod. We are currently accepting applications for advertisement and sponsorships. You can reach us at... My Best Living Pod or My Best Living Pod at gmail.com. Thank you. Great. So we're back for part two of Natasha Dowie's My Best Eleven um, podcast. And we'll pass straight over to the midfield. Um, so uh, how have you positioned these three? Are they going to be holding, bombing on? I know you like attacking. So I've got a classic holding midfield player. Doesn't move from in front of the two centre-halves. Uh, and then I'm going to have a bit more of a kind of uh, a flair player. Um, two, actually. My other two are kind of flair players, te- technicians. But this holding midfield player, um, I played with her at Everton. And then we actually moved uh, to Liverpool together. Um, she's, I think, still the oldest player to play in England. Um, she's retired now, but when I won the league at Liverpool with her, she was 42 years old. So the, the oh. oldest player, I think that's actually, yeah, ever played in English Premier League. Um, I've got it, by the way. She, it's too easy. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've got, uh, she's, she's, um, she's Scandinavian, isn't she? Nope. Ah, <laughs> uh, What? I'll carry on talking about her because I love talking let, about her. I let him. I let him go. I, I've got it. Go on. <laughs> the best tackler in the women's game. Tough. Played for England. I think 46, 47 times. Um, and I actually ended up marrying her. So that might give you a clue now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Thank Becky you very Easton. much. Yes. Becky Easton. <laughs> Good. Nice. Best player I played with. She paid me to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I do you know what I didn't realise she was a um I didn't realise she was a central midfielder. That's what threw me. I always had her down as a defender. Yeah, really? well, no, do you know what? It's funny because yeah, at at Liverpool and Everton, she was um, at Liverpool. She played a little bit in holding mid, but she was also right back and centre half. But apparently, I never saw her back in the day. But for England, and when she played with the likes of Marianne Spacey, Bill Coulthard, Hope Powell. 
she was England's holding midfield player and apparently she got um, England International Player of the Year and that was her best position back in back in the day. So, yeah, that's why she'd be my holding mid, I think, because I need someone tough in. Well, and, I, and I mentioned earlier on, because I, I mean, I remember briefly, <clears throat> I used to watch those games on, it used to be on Channel 4, and they used to have, like, the women's game used to come on on Channel 4 on a Sunday, funny enough. And that was my first little bit of, like, introduction to the, the female game. And I loved it. Absolutely loved how technically the girls were, the women were, back then in the day. And it's now, you fast forward to now today, and they've got their own women's Super League. And you've got... Um, I mean, just like the likes of Lavelle, like Man City, you've got like Heath, yeah. Tobin Heath, Press yeah. at Man United. Um, you've got even the young yeah. girl um, from whose brother's at Chelsea, um, Lauren James. Lauren James plays yeah. centre forward yeah. for Man United, 18 19. Yeah. Like, technically, really, really good. Fantastic player. So, there's some top, top yeah. players. Yeah, definitely. Excellent. So, in terms of um, obviously Becky, um, you said you. Um, you said you're obviously married to her now. Um, yeah. Is she live? Is she come across to Milan with you? Yes. Yeah. So when I made the move to America, she actually we were playing at Doncaster Bells together, but she actually then put her kind of career on hold to support me and to travel with me. So for the last five years, she's been traveling with me, um, kind of yeah, supporting me in my career. She's just done um, well a couple of years ago. Did a master's degree in sports directorship. So she's really keen on getting involved in the business side of, you know, the football industry. So that's the kind going of path up, going upstairs go rather down. than on the playing field. Um, yeah, 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 definitely. <laughs> excellent, excellent. And um, in terms of obviously the holding midfielder, you say you would like them to be tough and tackling and, and that type of thing. Yeah. Um, if that's what they're there to do, was was Becky somebody who could get up and down um, and box to box and chip in with goals as well? No. <laughs> um, I, think, yeah. I, I actually got listening at the door there. She's going to be bashing the door down, coming in. Oh, you! I should have put my earphones in. No. Um, she told me that back in the day, before, before, before I played with her, she was a goal-scoring midfield player. Um, but the, the, later on in her career, obviously when she was 40, 41, 42, don't get me wrong, she could get about but she loved to just kind of protect the back four, you know, and she didn't need to be the one that was kind of, you know, always getting on the ball and she could play. She was a clever player. She read the game really well. Mm. She wasn't fast, but she wasn't slow, but because of her kind of brain, she was always half a yard ahead of the other striker anyway. Um, and she basically was just someone that would, would tackle, win the ball and then give it, give it simple, give it to the players then that she knew, you know, with the flair players and, and could make something happen. So that's what I loved about her is that she just did her job. She was a consistent eight out of 10 every week. Uh, and I think that's quite rare is to find that kind of consistency week in, week out. And also, and also had to be quite fit to be 42 years yeah. of age, to be playing yeah. in the middle of midfield, by the way, at yeah. any level, right? It has to be, you have to be very fit. So, I mean, kudos to, to Becky, to be honest with you. Right. That, the thing with her as well that I've never seen in the women's game is, is with her head. It was all mental. You know, she, she never liked the fitness testing side of things. She hated the running side of things at training. But give her a football and say play, and she would run more than anyone. And I think it was just that you would see in training, she would 
be like putting her head into someone's foot, you know, she'd be sliding to like save a goal because she just played a hundred percent, whether it was like a five-a-side game for fun or whether it was an FA Cup final. And I love that. Is that like everything was a hundred percent? I mean, I'm, I'm older obviously than Becky, but back in the day, I used to hate the the bleep test. You know what the bleep test, oh, they call the bleep yes. test is? Yeah, so yeah. I mean, obviously she was very fit, but I wonder what she used to do on the bleep test. Because I mean, we had lads were doing like 17, 18, which was high yeah. back then. I used to, nice. I know, look at Andrew's face. Andrew, by the way, I used to get nine. And I was, I and um, God bless him there, Ray Hartford. He said to me, he goes, Marvin, he goes, the referees have to do 11 to qualify for a referee, and I've done nine. I used to get to nine. Just, <laughs> again, it, it, it was a mental thing with me that I just, it's just up and down, yeah. back and forth. I just like, couldn't Marv, do it. Marv, yeah. I, got, yeah. I got to nine the other week when I was doing it with the kids at school. Well, you don't know what? The interesting thing, though, <laughs> what I, the Let interesting me guess, thing, it's got easier. On, back back oh, in the day, it was a lot on, harder. Andrew, hold on, hold on. But the interesting <laughs> thing, I said, that's fair enough, Gaffer. I said, but how is it, though, in the, 85th minute when we've got a corner four I'm running back because they're on a counter-attack past people who've done 17 and 18 in the 85th minute how was that I said I'll tell you what Gaffer yeah. it's this heart I've got more heart yeah. and desire than them that's what it is yeah. <laughs> and, he, and to be fair to him he shut up he didn't say much it is yeah no it is it's funny um, I don't know if you know you probably remember um Rachel Yankee do you remember yes, her yes 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 left winger yeah. yes so, yes. Yeah, so played for England over 100 times, one of the best wingers in the women's game. I remember she was someone that hated the yo-yo and we were away on England duty and we were doing the, the yo-yo test, the beat test. And she, we were jo- running up and down, probably got to level nine. And she said, she was like, I need the toilet. So she just <laughs> ran off, ran to the toilet and just didn't do it. Like, and like some people, like you said, it is all mental. And, you know, yeah. some people are naturally, you know, physically more gifted I've never been someone that's been great at those kind of tests but I'll always do my max but some people just psychologically you know you're you're done before you've even started your legs feel heavier than they actually are because you know how horrible it is and it is it's not a nice test but you somehow need to kind of just tell yourself like and it doesn't get any easier trust me every time I I have to do it I just dread it I just found it boring that's the thing just going back (laughs) and forth boring if they said to me look you got to, they drop you off in the mountain somewhere and now you got to get back. At least I knew yeah. I was going to get to somewhere and I was going to yeah, end up thinking yeah. I'm done now rather than going back and <laughs> forth, back and forth, back and forth. I do find it weird that the England international team is doing the beep test, by the way. Really? Is that not why? weird? No. I'd, because I'd expected them to, why do they have to test their fitness? Because You're already... Because each player's coming from a different club, Andrew, and so therefore, I mean... You'd like to think, yeah, they're professionally and they're going to be quite some fitness, but certain people have different ways of testing fitness. And some people, are, some clubs might not do any running whatsoever. They might just do five-a-side games or something like that. So they won't oh, know. Okay. That. Maybe, sorry. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe because I've played like, professional football. I was never that good. <laughs> <laughs> so That's a good anyway. question, though. That's a good question, though. It is a good question. But, I mean, that's what I feel, Tash. What do you think? I mean, different players from yeah. different clubs do different stuff. So... Yeah, I think 100%. And I think also when you're playing for your national team and you're heading into a World Cup or a Euros or an Olympics and you're competing against the best teams in the world, and especially USA, where, to be honest, that's why they had won for so many years. is because they could run more than any other national team. And I think 
that's why then the other teams or the other countries thought, right, what do they have that we don't? They don't technically have better players like than us, but they just run and they're so physically fit. And that's why we actually, our um, sports scientist, Dawn Scott, um, she actually went and worked for the US women's national team. She won the World Cup with them. She took over their whole sports scientist um, kind of set up over there. And um, she was there for three or four years. And she's actually now come back to England to work with Phil Neville and the women's national team um, to implement, I guess, what she was doing over in America. So fitness is huge. And, you know, it has moved on to, they don't necessarily do the yo-yo now. They do different type of tests where it's maybe like uh, 30 on, 30 off. So you'd, you kind of work maximal for 30 seconds, rest for 30, and then you'd go again. It's a little bit more advanced, agility tests, jump tests you know, yeah. speed test. So it's not just doing the, the boring yo-yo. Um, but yeah. yeah, fitness for sure is, is massive. Awesome. So where the fitness kind of can be negated a little bit for attacking players, because they can create the ball and put the ball on a sixpence um, on your attacking midfielders. So who have we gone for on here, Tash? Okay, so um, for my midfield player, who's going to be a little bit more of a box-to-box player, um She's the most capped England player ever. Um, is still playing now for Reading FC. Technically, the most gifted player I've ever seen in the women's game. Left and right foot. Could goal-scoring midfield player, experienced, composed. Would see a pass and see things that no one else would see. I mean, for me, this is an easy one. I see Mars yeah. already nodding. but Even hey, no, I'm, I'm, I'm on this one. I'm on this one. I'll let you keep going. Go on, Oh, is that it? Or are you going to keep going, Tash? No, nope, go on. I'll let you guess. Barrow <laughs> Williams, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Well done. Yeah. Yeah. She's yeah. got an obscene amount of caps, isn't she? Unbelievable amount of caps, is it? Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. And to be honest, she probably could still be playing for England. I mean, she's performing great for, for Reading. I think she's 36 now um, and is still, you know, scoring goals for fun. She was an interesting character. I played with her at Everton and at Liverpool. And she was. You know, one of those, she was just different, always like demanded a lot, but was like, I think the type of player that she was, that's why she was the way that she was. You know, she's almost like you could allow her to be the way she was because she performed on the pitch. You know, I remember one game um, for Liverpool, I think we were playing Birmingham away um, and we were in the title race against uh, Bristol City to win the league for the first time. And we, it was 1-0 and they equalised in like the 89th minute. And if we had dropped points in this game, the league was over. You know, we, we had to win. So anyway, I'm like devastated. My hands are in my head. I'm like, we've just thrown this game away. Next minute, I've just looked up and everyone's celebrating. And I'm like looking to see where the ball is. And the ball's in the net down the other end. She's, she's told the ref quickly, can I take the, the kickoff quick? The ref said, yeah. She's going to hit it from the halfway line, lob the no. keeper and scored. We won 2-1. And this is, what, this is what I mean about her. One, to even have, like, the mindset to be thinking, right, I'm going to score from the halfway line. Two, to actually execute it yeah, is yeah. just ridiculous. And three, just to have even the guts and the bottle to do that. So, yeah, she was unbelievable. Some of the stuff she used to do in training was just frightening. No, but like you said, that's a fantastic mindset to have. Like you said, you you are with your, your hands in your head thinking, oh my gosh, we've blown it. And the next yeah. thing you can hear everyone yeah. like cheer. But I mean, you've now fast forward that. I mean, 
just touching on you a little bit, I've, I've, I've watched some of your games. I've, I've seen some of your um, goals because you've got like five goals in eight games. Is it? You've hit the ground running with yeah. AC Milan. Um, left or right foot? I mean, the start of the, some of the, the footage I see, your, your left foot was a little bit like wayward. Are you right footed, Tash? Are you right or left footed? Yeah, right footed. I've been working on this in lockdown. Eh? No, but I'm paying Tash a compliment because I saw her hit a shot the other day, I think it was against the Roma game. Like, it was a decent left. Like, there was no, not even a thought about it. You just, like, pulled it onto your left foot and just went bang. And then I thought, ooh, is she left footed or right footed? I would say that's, I wasn't sure because obviously how well you hit the ball with your left foot, you know? Yeah. No, I definitely say I feel more comfortable on my right foot, but it's something that I wish as a kid that I'd got coached to work on both feet. I never did. Um, I was always using my right foot and my left foot was one to stand on. Um, and it's something the older I've got, I've been trying to train it to, to feel more and more comfortable. I'd be confident that in a game, if I had a chance on my left foot, that I would score it. But, you know, you, you just have to think about it more. Whereas I want to get it feeling a lot more natural. But um, yeah, with Farah, she would take a corner with her left foot, then she'd go and take the other side, the corner with her right foot. And that's that's someone that's like from a young age, trained both feet. Yeah. And it's and it's rare. There's not many that I've seen in the game. Kelly Smith, maybe, yes, Farrah Williams, but there's not many that are, are strong on both feet like they are. Tobin Heath, for instance, maybe at Manchester yeah. United. I watched the game the other day and she was taken from both left sides and right foot, yeah. left and right foot. Mm. Yeah. Excellent, excellent. So the other attacking midfielder, who else have you got next to, uh, Farah? I think this is an easy one as well. For me, probably the best player that's ever played for England women um, and maybe the best player that's ever played in the English women's league. Um, I never played with her at club level, but I played with her for England towards the end of her career. So I played against her really when she was coming towards the end of her career. I didn't see her in her prime. But even towards the end of her career, she was still, in my opinion, the best player competing with Marta in the world. Um, goal scoring midfield player. I mean, it's, it's easy, I think, personally. If, if you know I, your I, English. I, 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 no, come in, in, on. English. English. Play for Arsenal. Oh. Um, come on. Oh. Just said a, I'm going to guess. Is it, um, Kelly yeah. Smith. Can yeah. You yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was just saying, yes. I, I just saw blonde hair and I was kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what a player, by the way. I mean, again, oh. another player who I, again, um, just after the, the sort of like the Hope Pal and all them, and then I started watching it again. Yeah. She was ridiculously like, just like quick and like her yeah. mind and just the touch, it was ridiculous. Like, so good. Yeah, she yeah. actually went over to America as well and played for a few she years did. over there, but. I, I wish I could have played with her longer, but just to get the couple of years that I did towards the end of her career. And then she obviously went to Arsenal. I actually took my A licence with her. So I think she's looking to get into the management side of things. But yeah, she's yeah for sure the best that's ever played for England. I mean, again, like you just said, I mean, she, she had to be up there as one of the best players in the world, I would have thought, at a certain yeah. time. Definitely. Agreed. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Do you think that now the English players are going to start to get the recognition that they deserve. Not saying they haven't entirely previously, but um, yeah. if you're mentioning, obviously, obviously uh, Kelly Smith and kind of now they're starting to be mentioned in this upper echelons of players. Um, yeah. Do you think that's something yeah, that's happening? Yeah, I definitely think 
yeah, definitely. I think you look at Lucy Bronze and, you know, the likes of her, Nikita Paris that have gone to Leon and are playing for these top teams. Alex Greenwood went to Leon. Jodie Taylor at the minute is playing for Leon. So there's a lot of um, English talent that are playing for these top, top teams now. Um, and I think as well, with the amount of world-class players that are now coming over to England to play, a lot more eyes are on the English league now. You know, it's not really... The NWSL now has competition. Is it the best league in the world now? I'm not too sure. I, there's a lot of talk that the English league is now the best. So all, all eyes are on this league. You know, the likes of Chelsea, Man City have done well the last couple of years competing in the Champions League. I think for these players to really get the recognition, they need to probably be maybe winning the Champions League and competing with the likes of Lyon. And I think that's why Lucy Bronze probably over the last couple of years has been getting her name branded with the best because she's been performing on the top stage, winning Champions League finals, you know, playing in World Cups. And, you know, unless, you know, you're, you know, in, in the spotlight, you're never going to be seen. And I think, you know, that's probably where in the past, the likes of Kelly Smith, when, you know, women's football wasn't as televised. So these kind of players maybe weren't getting seen as much. Um, but that's definitely changing now. Um, and what about Italy, where you are now, Tash? Where's, I mean, how's their passion um, for the women's game over there in compared to what it is like in England? Yeah, I think there's definitely passion here in Italy. I mean, I've never had on social media and that side of things more support since I moved to Milan. It's crazy. Um, you know, the support within the club, the setup here is very professional. Maldini comes to every one of our games. He's really good friends with our manager, Maurizio Gans, who played for AC yeah. Milan and Inter Milan and Italy. So we have a, a good support system here. The league over here, which I didn't actually know, is still actually semi-professional. Next year, it's meant to be turning professional. So we're, we're definitely a good few years behind the likes of England, where the league has been professional now for a long time. Um, the standard, I would say, slightly behind England with regards to probably the physicality uh, and just players knowing what it takes to be a professional. A lot of these players, you know, haven't been in these professional environments. The, the, the Milan women's team's only been running for three years. So really? it's all very new. Yeah. So I think that it's going to rise very quickly. I mean, our aim this year is to make Champions League. Juventus have been the team to beat in Italy for the last three years. Um, but Milan have slowly been, you know, getting closer and closer. So I'm hoping that this is the year that we can really kind of push Juventus for the title and and get into Champions League and then put ourselves up against the best. Well, your um, <clears throat> strike partner, um, Valentina Giacinti, is it? Giacinti? Yeah. She's, um, she plays for the national team, doesn't she? She plays for the national yeah. team. So has she always been at Milan? AC Milan? Um, she was, yeah, so what happened was Brescia women, um, they used to be known as Brescia, they then actually turned into AC Milan. So most of the players that were at Brescia then came to AC Milan. And yes, Valle uh, was at Brescia. And now she's obviously the captain of Milan and she's been involved in the national team. And and I actually remember what the last Women's World Cup, uh, me and Becky were travelling around Italy at the time. And I remember in every pub and every restaurant, they were showing the Women's World Cup. And I, I talked to Valet. She had about, similar to me, maybe 15,000 followers. And then after the World Cup, she's got 100, 200,000 followers now on social wow. media. So there's definitely a, like a, a passion for it over here and they support the women's team. But 
I think maybe it's hopefully when it turns professional, then it can be on TV a bit more and, and, you know, more people can watch the league over here. And then hopefully if we make Champions League, you know, we can compete and we can show, you know, how good we are because, you know, it's, I think that's the kind of platform that we need. And sorry to get out. I mean, I'm just loving these, like the, the, these questions from, and these answers you said, and you can speak Italian or fluently or all of you? No, See? yes. <laughs> no, look, I'll show you. This is, this is my Italian book. So I've had um, five lessons now. The language is crazy hard. Like, imagine. they have words that are masculine, words that are feminine. Like, I can't even begin to explain to you. A pizza's feminine, but a cake's masculine. I mean, oh. it's crazy. But, yeah, I try, I always try to go into training and obviously say, you know, you're, you're buongiorno, come stai, how are you? You know, and I can get the basics. I'm picking up words here and there. But... Let's just say I'm glad I've signed a two-year contract because it's it's going to be a while till I can speak fluent Italian. <laughs> no, but it's great that you've put yourself in that position. You mean you've you've, you've won quite um, a lot of honours in England, and you, you've won the FA Cup. You've some top goal scorer. Now you've put yourself in um, in a foreign country. Um, and I always say to my girls, look, you know, if it's comfortable, you know, you're not really pushing, you're not testing yourself, you're not really pushing yeah. yourselves. Put yourselves in situations where you're going to be uncomfortable and you're going to find the real you. And so obviously, like I said, the, the language barrier for you is going to be difficult. But again, I mean, kudos to you for putting yourself in that situation. Yeah, 100%. I think since moving away from England, I think that was a big reason why I moved is that I'd won the FA Cup, I'd won the league, I'd won the League Cup. The only thing that I hadn't won is Champions League. And at that time, no one in England was going to be competing with Leon. So I made the move abroad and obviously two years in America, then moving to Norway, Sweden. And the language barrier over there, um, a lot of them spoke English. So it, it wasn't too bad. This is definitely the hardest it's been with regards to the language barrier. Uh, language barrier. My manager speaks zero English. Um, so we have to have a translator for us all the time. Um, a lot of the players can speak minimal English. So, you know, it's, don't get me wrong, like it's frustrating because I'd love to be able to communicate more, but I also see it as an, an exciting challenge, you know, and like you said, I've always been the type of player that I want to try and achieve new things. I, I don't want to be in a league where everyone thinks they know me. You know, I want to go somewhere else and put myself up where I, I can try and win the golden boot again and, and, you know, and win new trophies. And I won the league in Australia and, I just think it's made me so much a better player traveling abroad and, and, you know, having short periods because people need to understand as well is it takes maybe two, three years to gel in a team. Yeah. I've had four or five months in teams where you have to hit the ground running because otherwise you could be out the door. And, and I love that. I love that kind of um, that challenge of really coming here to Italy. No one, no one really knowing me, and kind of really wanting to show them what I'm all about and kind of the type of player that I am. So, you know, I love that. Great. Awesome. So you're talking of um, challenges and, and players being around you. And, and what we're probably going to now go through is is with the strike force is players who've been challenging for your position and trying to take it off of you. So um, let's let's move on unless, to the strikers. Unless, unless she's named herself, Andrew, she could have named herself. No one's done that yet. No one's, no one's done that as of yet. Has no one done that? No, honestly, Tash, no one's no one's named themselves right in the. Were they that? Were they that bad? Were they that bad a player? God, 
<laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I mean, if I ever, I don't know, if I ever done it, I don't think I would. I don't think I would name myself in in the team. I don't. I don't think I would. Becky, I'm the first player on my team list. <laughs> well, well, listen, fair enough. I mean, fair enough. So it, we'll, we'll start off there then. If you've named yourself in the team. Um, we'll start off there. Where would where is your favourite position? Obviously, your goal to game ratio is fantastic. Where is your favourite position in the front three? Is it as a focal point, or mm-hmm. is it as um, is it on the side, or has it changed throughout the years? Okay, so from the age of four years old till thirty-two, I'm a number nine. I don't play <laughs> anywhere else. I play in the focal position down the middle. You're not moving me out wide or in midfield or anywhere else. I am, you know, your, your focal point, your target player. So, yeah. Um, I, that's I, have to, I, have to, I have to, sorry um, to ask, I mean, I have to slightly disagree watching some of your games um, from recent times because a lot, of the, yeah. a lot of the time I've seen you drop deep and work hard, by the way, looking to close people yeah. down to get the ball back for your team. Yeah. And also I've seen you... Um, Cutting from the left, and was it the Milan derby? Like yeah. fantastic goal! Yeah. Like you, you got it on your right foot, and you sort of like open yourself up, and you bent it round the player into the corner. So I mean, yeah. I don't know if, you, if yeah. a traditional what I know is a traditional out and out number nine is someone stays there yeah. at the top, doesn't really run around, give me the ball, yeah. play off me. But you're, you're more than that. I mean, not being disrespectful. Yeah. That's what. That's what your no, uncle was like. Ian, Ian was like that. Yeah. Ian was he was a traditional yeah. centre forward. He didn't have your touch. He didn't have your ability. Yeah. Trust me. Yeah, no, I actually appreciate that, and that's something that I think in England when I played, people kind of um, just saw me as that a target player, strong, held the ball up well, scored goals, and I think that that's actually something that I wanted to get away from being pigeonholed as just like you know, a back-to-goal kind of centre. Yes, I'm not the quickest in the world, but I also think that I'm quite a clever striker where, you know, if I have clever players around me, I can make good movements and get myself into good positions. And playing at Milan, um, we started the the year with a diamond midfield, um, two up top. So he really wanted to have both me and Valentina, the captain, in the team. She wants to play central. She doesn't want to play out wide. So... He's in a bit of a predicament where, right, how's he going to get both of us onto the pitch to keep us both happy? So that's why, for the first time in my career, um, we've got two up top. I've never played with with a two up before. I've always been a 4-3-3, me down the middle with two wide players. So it's definitely been a challenging and interesting experience for me. Um, I still feel like we haven't completely clicked yet um communication is a tough thing obviously she doesn't speak any english i don't speak any italian also with regards to the movement i'm so used to kind of working off the two center halves peeling off onto one center half and then moving in behind the other when you have another center forward with that with you uh, it's almost like if you can't communicate with them you make the same movements you kind of run into their space they run into yours you know it's it's actually, for me, actually a lot harder um, playing two up top, which, which I've found. But um, we played a 3-5-2 recently as well uh, with the wing backs. So it's something that I'm actually having to adapt to and get used to uh, having that kind of partnership up front. But no, I appreciate that. I, I pride myself on, well, um, <clears throat> I want to get into dangerous areas. You know, yeah. when I drop deep, I try not to stay there too long. And it's normally a case of, 
I'm getting frustrated, so I want to get touches on the ball. Um, in the two up front, a lot of the time, you kind of do have to make your movements out wide into the channels, which I don't think that's my strength, but I think I can do it. I, in an ideal world, would love to be the focal point, have some wide players that can cut in, play me through balls, and I can just stay in and around the penalty area. I don't want to really be moving too much. I want to be right. in the danger areas. So that's kind of why I've put myself in the I was going to say, your communication didn't look that bad, I think, against Bari when you slipped that ball in with the outside of your right foot for her to, yeah. to finish. I mean, you've, that was a hell of a ball between... <laughs> Sorry? You've been What's watching that? some games. I'm, well, yeah, I mean, I, I like to obviously do some research, but I mean, I watched the game and I thought that's a fantastic ball. Outside of your right foot, like straight into her path, she didn't have to break stride. Great, oh, great ball. You. So, well done. Thank you. Awesome. So you picked yourself in the middle. Who are these, you say about yeah. providers on the outside? Who are the providers yeah. on the outside for you? Okay, I think you boys are going to struggle with this because um, they're both foreigners. So I've got a left-footed player playing on the right-hand side and a right-footed player playing on the left-hand side so that they can cut in because uh, I like it like that. Then the full-backs can get on and they can kind of provide the width like your Trent and your, your Robertson at Liverpool. Um, so my right-side winger, um, she's Swedish. I played with her at Liverpool for two years. Um, goal scorer, clever, wonderful left foot, um, a real flair player. She actually then came to Boston um, to play with me. for. She was there for two seasons at Boston Breakers as well. I think you guys are going to struggle with this one. Just she's sweet. Was she saying Swedish? Swedish. Swedish, yeah. yeah. Did she play the national team? The she did, the... yes. Yeah. I've got a few players written down, and she's one of the players I've got written down. Actually. Is it, I pronounce it, it wrong. Fours, fours, fours. That's what I was going to say. That's one of the players I got written down. I don't. Fours, yes, yes. Fours, fours. That's, yeah, so, that's pretty good. So, um, I don't think fours is her real name, though, is it? Is it uh, Lauren? No. Do you know what? Um, Louise Fours, but I think she then got married, so it might have changed now. But when she played yeah. at Liverpool, it's Louise Fours. Yeah. Yes. So. Um, you say she's so was she left or right footed? She was left footed, yeah. Yeah, and sorry, you said that right. And and so you like them to cut in, inside very fashionable at the moment. Um, but you said she scored a lot of goals. So how's how's that work um, up there? Were you providing for each other or were you demanding yeah. of her? Obviously, like you say, Swedes speak fantastic English. The communication's never a problem yeah. for that. No, no, it's great. And that year, with and obviously when we move on later to the other winger. The relationship that us three had in my two years at Liverpool when we won the league back-to-back was unbelievable. And what I found in the women's game is that when you're a centre-forward, there's a lot of jealousy. And, you know, when you come to a new club and you're a goal scorer and the other strikers don't like it. And I've always found that very interesting because for me, I just want to win. You know, I love to score goals, but whether you're scoring, whether I'm scoring, you know, it's about the three points at the end of the day. And... The thing that I loved about playing with these two players at Liverpool is that they just wanted the team to win. Whether uh, Lolo was scoring, whether I was scoring, whether the other player who I'm going to mention later was scoring, it didn't matter. It was about the three points. And I think that's why we work so well together because if I had a better opportunity to score, she would pass to me. If she had a better opportunity, I'd pass to her. It wasn't about, I want to get golden boots, so I'm shooting um, and that's why I love playing with Lolo because don't get me wrong, she she was an ego, 
because as, as a centre forward, you, we all have egos. You know, it's, it's the position that we play in. And she wants to obviously, you know, make the headlines and, and be the star of the show. But she would never, ever put that in front of, like, the team and the team win. And does that go on a lot? I think, I mean, that's a great point you just brought up there. I can imagine that does go on a lot with the, in the women's game. Because you don't, I don't score. I'm, I'm not really going to be passing the ball. Which that really wouldn't happen in the men's game. I mean, again, the, the men's game is a lot more as like togetherness. Like it doesn't matter. I mean, if he scores, we still win. Like that attitude. What you're just saying. No, hundred percent. No, it definitely has. And you know, I can be honest and saying many teams that I've played in. You know, you you go to the team and someone that's used to being the superstar and the goal scorer, and you come in and. Obviously, I'm known for scoring goals and I'm an older player, experienced player. And, and you know, they don't like it um, because, you know, they're used to being the focal point. And it's something that I've definitely had to, like, um, not struggle with, but to manage because, you know, you have to have a good relationship as a, as a strike partner. If you don't, then you're not going to get the best out of them and you, then you're not going to be able to perform the best. Um, so it's something that, when you speak the same language, you can figure out. When you don't speak the same language, it's definitely a harder challenge. But it's one that, through my experience, I can overcome it. You know, I've played the game long enough to, you know, you know how to play the game. You know, you, yeah. you don't get stupid. You don't get, you know, selfish. You know, you, you get onto the pitch. And at the end of the day, football's, it's not a hard game to play. You know, it's an easy game. And I, so I kind of try and go in with that mentality that, I know I score goals and if I get the opportunity, I will. But if not, as long as the team's winning and like you look at at the minute with Milan, I haven't scored in the last three games. You know, of course I would love to score, but if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. I know eventually it will happen again. You know, I've been playing for the last 20 years. So I think it's just having maybe um, that confidence in yourself. And I think the players that do get jealous are the ones that maybe are lacking in self-confidence because for me, I don't lack in self-confidence. I, I'm a confident player. So whether I score or not doesn't make a difference. That's that's interesting to hear you say that, that you've not scored for the last three games. So, I mean, yeah. what do you keep a tag on what's the longest streak yeah. you've not scored? You do? Yeah. And you put yeah, that pressure on yourself. Wow. Yeah, Go on, man. What's the longest streak yeah, you've had then? What's the longest streak you had, had not scored? Probably five or six games. Five or six is the longest I've never scored. Um, I've got my diary where I put in, you know, the score of the game, how many I've scored, if I've assisted, if I haven't scored. And um, I was in really good form. I had scored, I think, uh, five in five. And then I got coronavirus. So I was in lockdown for 14 days. I came back out, didn't start the first game against Napoli. I came on for 30 minutes, didn't score. Then I started against Roma, didn't score. And then we've had two cup games. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, so two cup games. So it's been four games now. Didn't score. I had a goal disallowed yesterday in the cup game. So, yeah, of course. I don't overthink it because I think the more you think, then you go into the next game thinking, right, I need more. But as a striker, someone that scored a lot in her career, I obviously put that pressure on me because really that's what my whole game is about, is scoring goals. Yes, I can bring a lot more to the team. And, you know, I'm in a team where we're winning every week. You know, we won 4-0 the other day, but it's not the same. I want to be on the score sheet, you know, and that's me being honest. You know, I'm happy the team wins, but when you win 4-0 and you're not on the score sheet, you know, it's, you're not that, you're not as happy as you could be. But, um, no, I get <laughs> but that. I'm hoping I get my run, my dad said, 
my dad said to me, don't worry, you score in the important game. So just, just save it for them. <laughs> that is, it's true. It's true. So um, on the other side, who have we got on the other side then? Yep. So I've got the other centre forward that played with me and Lolo at Liverpool for the first two years when we won the league. She's German, uh, right-footed, um, went then to Bayern Munich to play in Germany after playing at Liverpool with me. Was probably one of the most skillful players that I've played with. Really quick, won us about 10 penalties throughout the season because of her low sense of gravity. The way that she could just nip in and out of players. You know, she was so hard to play against. Um, and similar to Karina Schroeder, they both played on the same side, the, the two German girls at Liverpool. So professional, you know, would always be an hour early to training, stay late to, to work on her game. Um, you know, we would always make fun of the German girls because, you know, the ugly pants that you'd have to wear sometimes when you're giving your track suit. You'd always, you'd always have like the nice fitted pants and then the like big flary ones. Well, all of us English players would wear the nice fitted pants and like be a bit naughty and rebellious. And the German girls would always come in the polo, the ugly pants, wearing everything like correct because they wanted to do everything like properly. And oh, it was so funny. So this player, um, I mean, I haven't got a clue. Rosler, Rosler, Yui Rosler. I mean, I could, I'm thinking of a yes. German name. What? Yeah, it is. Nicole Rosler. I didn't, I didn't say Nick, I said Rosler, because the only one I could think of was Yuri Rosler from Man City. That was the only German name I could think oh. of. Rosler, I said. <laughs> oh. Yeah, well, that's her luck. name. That was Nicole. luck. So yeah. Nicole Rosler. <laughs> yes. Nicole Rosler. That was luck. So um, in terms of, you mentioned, you uh, his name, Lolo Fours and Nicole Rosler. If you obviously yeah. played as a front three, if you had yes. to play in a two, like you are now AC Milan, who would you rather play yeah. with? Yeah. Rosler okay. or Fors? I'm going to go with, yeah, I'm going to go with Rosler. Yeah, just because Fors is, she was a flair player that would drift around, do her own thing. Um, not lazy, but not really the workhorse that Nikki was. Nikki worked up and down. She was quick. And I think with the style of player that I am, where maybe I'm a little bit more on the stronger side, can hold the ball up and bring players into play. I think we'd work quite well together because I could kind of be like the target player. She could make the runs in behind me. Um, and I think we would work quite well um, in a two up top. Excellent. Excellent. And she was at, um, obviously Liverpool for a couple of years. Um, and then she's yeah. moved back to uh, moved back to Germany um, after yeah. that. Yeah. Um, do you still follow her career? And do you still keep in touch with many of these teammates? Or is it a case of when you bump into them, do you yeah. bump into them? Or? Yeah, do you know what? Nick, Nikki as well, she came to mine and Becky's wedding. Oh, it's so cute. She flew all the way over from Germany. She had made us a cake. And I'll never forget that, actually, because for me, when people do things like that for you, you know, you know that they're like a proper friend. And I think <laughs> playing the game that I play and having travelled as much as I've travelled, it's, it's great because you meet, uh, friends for life but you also it's so sad because you always have to say goodbye to so many people and Nikki is actually one of probably a very rare amount that will always message me and Becky you know wishing us happy birthday merry Christmas checking in asking how we are she actually messaged us saying she'd love to come to Milan and and visit us um, when obviously the virus calms down and I think that's um, why she's in my 11 as well because not just the type of player that she was but the type of person that she was as well. 
you know, like a, a real uh, a friend. Yeah. And I, I probably couldn't say that I've got too many in the game. You know, I've got a lot of teammates, but genuine, genuine friends that, you know, you can like pick up the phone and they'd be there for you. She's definitely one of them. And I was talking to Becky about this team today and out of the starting 11, you've got Lucy Bronze, Gemma Bonner, Farrah Williams and myself, four people out of the 11 that still play because um, Nikki actually retired this year at Bayern Munich. So it's crazy when you look at the amount of talent that was in this team. And a lot of them now are still my age. You know, um, you look at Whitney Engen, she's 32. Mm. Um, Karina Schroeder was my age. Nikki's actually, Nicole Russell was younger than me. Um, Lolo was my age. So except for the likes of Becky, who's obviously a bit older now, Kelly Smith, um, Rachel Brown, a lot of them could still be playing now. And, and that's the sad thing with women's football sometimes as well, is that because back then the lack of money and the financial support was so poor, a lot of these players had to retire young. Um, and I know that for a fact, Whitney Engen, she retired because, you know, she knew she could make more money um, as a lawyer um, in America. Um, and there's been so many that have had to do that. And I just think it's so sad um, yeah. that, they can't carry on their careers because of the finance. And just before we touch on to like, I mean, I think I got a rough idea who the manager or the man's going to lead this team of you just picked there, but just want to touch on your international career. Cause I mean, I think it's fantastic that, I mean, one, you know, you've played at the top level, but to play for your country, I think is a, a fantastic achievement in anyone's standard. So, I mean, you was capped at under 19 and under 23s and full international. What was it like when you first, uh, that you was made the full squad? I mean, and how was it? I mean, where was you and what was that experience like? Yeah, it was great. You know, I remember when I first even got an international call up at under 15s level, it was just a dream come true. And then to kind of work my way up the ranks, under 17s, going to an under 20s World Cup, and then it was, after, it was after the under-20s World Cup in Chile. I was 18 years old and Hope Powell called me into the senior team at 19. Um, and yeah, it was incredible, you know, to go to that camp, you know, and to play with the likes of your Kelly Smiths, your Rachel Yankees, you know, Faye White, players that you kind of looked up to your whole career. Um, it was definitely an eye-opener. Um, but I've always been a confident player, you know, and I've never shied away from, you know, knowing that I was good enough. Um, I think with England, the thing that I always struggled with is I never felt the managers really um, thought I was good enough. Uh, you know, I was involved with England from 19 up until 25 and never really ever got a continuous start. Hope Powell never particularly rated me as a player, never gave me the opportunity or chance that I felt I deserved, even after winning the league, winning the golden boot, winning players player of the year. And I, I, I never started really for England. Um, Mark Sampson, the same. Maybe I'd start two or three games, but then kind of be out again. So when I look at my whole career, for sure, my playing career, I'm proud of what I've achieved. And I know there's still a lot more to come from me. Internationally, it still hurts a little bit that with the kind of goal scoring record that I've got, that I didn't get capped for England more. I think I've only got 15 caps for England. Um, but I've learned that it's one person's opinion. And, you know, and sometimes, yeah. you know, that's the case, you know, if they, if they don't want their team, there's nothing you can do. It's out of your control. Um, so I can only like do my best, you know, train hard, work hard, perform for my club year in, year out, which I think I have done. Um, and if the England um, call up happens, great. If not, then 
you know, I'm playing for AC Milan. I'm traveling the world, living the dream. So, you know, it's not a bad life. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. Definitely not. So we'll move on to manager. Who's going to lead? Um, who's who, who's going to lead this team and or um, of your best to do that? And or who do you th- who's who's managed you the best? It doesn't necessarily have to be the person who you think is the best manager. We've had players go for yeah. youth team player, youth team coaches. Yeah, I think this might surprise you guys, actually, because. I've had a lot of great managers in my career. Mo Marley, unbelievable coach at Everton, you know, has coached at England, you know, for, God, 25 years. She only just recently actually retired from the England setup, played for England as centre-half. So, brilliant coach. Matt Beard, you know, Charlton, Liverpool, moved to Boston to play for him. His detail to the game was unbelievable. Um, Great character, still a good friend of mine. So, you know, love playing under Beardy as well. Um, Jeff Hopkins in Australia, you know, played, you know, for Wales, played in the Premier League for Crystal Palace. Um, you know, best the best man manager I've ever worked under with regards to how he cared for his players. You know, he was not just my coach, he was my friend. Um, and I love that side of him. But I'm going to have to say, and you're going to laugh now, Marv, and my dad's going to kill me as well. I'm going to pick my dad oh, <laughs> as that, my manager. No, that, 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 are you? That's good. Yeah. That's good. No, that's good. Nothing wrong with that at all. No, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. If, you, if you said your uncle, I would have gone mental. Yeah, <laughs> no. I'm going to pick my dad because um, I never, my dad never coached me at the top, top level. He, he coached me at younger level, Watford, Watford Centre of Excellence, um, managed me a little bit when I was at Fulham. Um, but... His passion for the game, I've never experienced that with another coach, the, the way he loved the game. And, and my dad, will be honest, he never played at the top, top level. Um, but even now, when I talk about football with him and with my uncle, you know, you can just see how much he, he loves the game and how much he would love to be involved in the game still. And unfortunately, he never got that opportunity to coach and manage, which I think he deep down would have loved to have done um at the top level um and just the way that um he always made me feel like and I know he's my dad but I'm the best striker in the world you know he was harsh on me he used to make me cry he would drag me off um to kind of make a point that you know he didn't favor at me um and he was probably extra hard on me than anyone else but I definitely 100% would not be where I am today if it was, wasn't for him. And obviously my mum as well, but my dad would travel up and down the M, M2, um, M1 to Liverpool, watch every game, would fly to Australia to watch me, fly to America to watch me. You know, if he could, he would come and watch every game. Um, and I think I'd pick him as my manager because I know, yeah, that I would, I know I'd run through a brick wall for him, but I also know as well the kind of trust that he has in me. So and the way that he coaches the game and just makes it so fun. Because I think the older you get, sometimes it becomes a job. You know, you go to training and it's like, it's the same thing, deja vu, and you kind of lose that fun. You know, it becomes so serious all of a sudden. And and it's funny, I was saying to Becky in lockdown for three months, to be honest, it's the most fun I'd had in years because I was just out kicking a ball around. No one coaching me, kicking against a brick wall, working on things I want to work on, for four, five, six hours without my coach telling me that I have to go in because I, I'm overtraining or, 
you know, and nowadays we go to train, it's an hour, hour and a half, and then you have to go and put your feet up and rest. I want to play for five or six hours. I don't want to just train for an hour and a half. So, you know, it's, it's funny. And I think, yeah, I, I miss those kind of days as a kid where you could just play and your mum and dad would call you in for dinner and then you could go out and play again. So, yeah, my dad would be my man. That, that's fantastic. And especially hearing what you've just said about him, I think, I mean, I would have been annoyed if you didn't pick him then to be the manager of this team. So well done for doing that, Tash. No, definitely. Um, just to ask you a very awkward question then, if he's going to be your manager, if he were to be your proper manager, how would he go with pulling Becky off? If, he, if she was having a really poor game, how would he go with substitute? Off you get, Becky. <laughs> you know what? I have to tell you a funny story. Um, me on. and Becky were playing at um, Everton together um, and it was against Leeds United. And to be fair... A cross has come in, Rachel Brown um, has kind of come for the ball, but then has like pulled away. And Becky was the nearest defender there, but she was facing the goal. So she was kind of expecting Brownie to come and pick the ball up, but she didn't. And then the strikers nicked in and scored. And my dad's on the sideline going, Becky, clear your effing line like that, like clear your line, like defend. <laughs> And she's turned around and said, Bob, shut up, like this. <laughs> it was brilliant. I just remember it now. And they still talk about it now. And he he actually calls her DRB, which is the dirty right back, because he, he always used to say she was so dirty to play. So I think, to be honest, he would have to keep her on the pitch. Otherwise, um, yeah, I think it would be, um, there'd be some arguments, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds Brilliant. fantastic. Sounds fantastic. So um, what we, I'll hand over to Marv for his questions. Sorry, Marv. What's that? Go on, no, you're out there. You can um, answer. So what we, what we like to always do is, um, we always like to give um, players an opportunity to, to let us know the best game or their favourite game they've ever played in um, throughout the whole of your career. I don't know if Marva's prepped you on this one, but it might put you on the spot. I didn't, I didn't, to be honest. Um, so what, what would you say the, the, the best game or probably most favourite game you've ever played in and why? And why, yeah. Okay. It's a really tough one, but I'm probably going to go with the FA Cup final against Arsenal when we won 3-2 um, in front of 25,000 at Nottingham Forest Football Ground 2010. Um, why? Because Arsenal had dominated women's for 10 years, um, you know, were just untouchable and we were the big underdogs. Um, we went 1-0 up, I scored and then um, Kim Little got a penalty, 1-1. Um, then uh, before the half-time, they scored an own goal to make it 2-1 to us. Second half, Judy Fleeting, 2-2, Arsenal. And then it went into extra time with two minutes to go, 118th minute and I popped up with a winner. Um to, to win the game 3-2 um, and obviously to make history because it's the first time Everton, the first time in history and ever, ever since that they've won the FA Cup final. Um, and I just think back then, that was the biggest game of the year. You know, I've won the league at Liverpool and obviously that game was incredible to win the league. But the whole occasion, the size of the crowd, you know, the expectations, like beating Arsenal, me scoring two and getting the winner so late on, yeah, that's definitely the best best in my Excellent. And also traditionally used to always be one of the few games that was on um, terrestrial TV as well, wasn't it? It always used to be on yes. the, um, was it which exactly. one of the bank holidays in May, wasn't it? May, that's it. Yeah, 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 yeah. in May. 
Yeah, awesome. Excellent. So um, have you got a message you'd like to pass on to any fans or anybody who knows you? And uh, we'll just always like to give people a, a bit of a soapbox for 30 seconds a minute. Um, if you want to pass a message across to any fans or particularly, um, I think, because you're a first um, women's player we've had on, anything particularly you want to pass on to some of these women um, or young girls um, and ladies who play the game? Yeah, sorry yeah. to interrupt you there. Just before you say, I might coach... Um, girls from the age of nine up to 18 Tash here in America so and again I've, I've been really pushing this podcast saying look I'm going to have started having women on so yeah any message or anything you can like give them because you know the process of about they want to go to college some of them want to yeah. play pro um, but it's, again it's just the hard work which obviously I don't know know you but I know that you've put that work in yeah I think for me um, being a female footballer now is so exciting. You know, the opportunities that these girls have worldwide now. Uh, you know, when I was younger, though, I never, ever thought that I was going to be able to play the game professionally, let alone get paid and make a living from it. So the advice that I would give to these girls is, of course, number one is you've got to love the game. You know, really, it's got to be your life um, because you people say you make sacrifices and you miss out on weddings, parties, this and that. I've never seen it like that. You know, I've always seen it as in, and it's a selfish mindset, but if you want to be the best, then, you know, that is not a sacrifice. You know, I, I, I never see my family. I've, I've got a home in Liverpool that I haven't lived in for eight or nine years now, but it's because your career is so short that you need to make the most of it whilst you're playing, because you've got the rest of your life then to, to go to these parties, see your family. So for me, obviously work hard, dedicate your life to it. Don't have any regrets. You know, when I was younger, I cut corners here and there. And I probably then could have done a lot more maybe in my 18, 19, 20 years. But I know for a fact now, the older I've got, I've become more professional. I'm always the first to training, always the last away from training, always asking questions and wanting to learn because I know I'm not the perfect and finished article, you know, and, and for me, I want to learn something new every day from different players, you know, in different positions. I, I'd say watch the game because not enough players watch the game enough. You know, they just think they can turn up and play. No, like you have to watch players that you maybe look up to. Um, I watch every different league, as many leagues as I possibly can. Um, I think as well, coaching improves you as a player. You know, the more you can get involved and coach, you see the game in a different light as well. Um, so this is the, this is the advice I'd give to you. And for me as well, like always believe in yourself because when you're doing well, people will hate on you. Like it's a fact, the higher you get in the game and the more successful you get, people will automatically be jealous and they'll try and knock you down when you're not doing well, people then kind of like, they don't want to know you, you know? So it's kind of, it's, you're almost like a playing this like lose, lose game sometimes, but it's so important to have a really close circle around you of people that genuinely have your best interests at heart. And mine is pretty much Becky. She's my number one support system. And then obviously my family, you know, there's, I could count maybe on one hand, my teammates throughout my whole career that I can properly say, you know, have my back because they don't like it. That's, that's the sporting industry and it's ruthless like that. So but the thing for me is I'll just say, enjoy it. You know, you're, you're lucky. No matter, you know, if you're having a high day or a low day, you're playing football for a living. You know, like a lot of people would 
chop your arm off to be able to say that they could play professional football and you know instead of going to nine to five and office job every day so I would just think from a young age have fun work hard you know make friends travel travel and play as much as you can and then the older you get you know I just would say like it's just all about the mental side of the game then just like always setting yourself new goals and new challenges excellent Thank fantastic you. well thank you so much for your time and um thank you again for myself and marv and that is the um that's natasha dow is my best 11 thank you thank you guys thank you thanks for listening if you haven't already you can subscribe at my best 11 pod and leave us a five-star rating you can find us on twitter and instagram at my best 11 pod email my best 11 pod at gmail.com